0: Welcome to Buddha at the Gas Pump. My name is Rick Archer and my guest today is Chobo, or if we want to add the honorific suffix, Chobo-ji. Welcome. Hi. You live in Scotland, is it? Yeah. In Glasgow? or
1: Just outside Edinburgh.
0: Edinburgh, okay, great. Um, And I I really enjoyed preparing for this interview, I enjoyed listening to your recordings and reading your little book, um, Melody in Silence. The selfish bodhisattva. We'll talk about what that means. Um, But one thing I was curious about. Well, first of all, what does chobo mean?
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's a good question. Um,
0: How did you come up with that?
1: (laughs) Well, I I, I generally don't like to get, you know, esoteric or anything like that. I I really don't live like that. But I was sitting watching Scrubs with my girlfriend.
0: Scrubs is a TV show about doctors, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, before that, I was thinking I, I, need an, I need a name. I'd like a name, one that either means pointing, finger pointing to the moon, or a beginner. It's like Zen mind, beginner's mind.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Felt really felt appropriate. So I was sitting watching TV, and my girlfriend just went Chobo, <laughs> and I thought that I thought it was quite odd. But then she just went Chobo. She went, "You're Chobo," and. It, my girlfriend's not spiritual at all, she's not interested in what, what I do in any way. Uh-huh. I thought it was so odd that I had to look it up and uh, sure enough it meant pointing in one language and beginner in the other language and I thought, okay.
0: Very good. Huh. So your girlfriend is more in tune than she realises. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, more in tune than
2: me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and um, in your book, you mentioned your, your master several times, and I somehow got the impression that was Muji. Uh, is that correct, or are you referring to somebody else? Muji. Oh, Muji. Great. I, I love Muji. And uh, no wonder you make so much sense if you're a student of his. <laughs> He's great. Yeah. You want to hear a cute little Muji story? Um, just a couple of weeks. There's a little group that is uh, located about an hour and a half north of London and um, they kind of became aware of Muji through my interview with him and they've kind of started a little satsang where every week or every month or something he calls them on Skype and has a little gathering over Skype and they talk to him and so they were gathered for that a, just a couple of weeks ago and the doorbell rang they figured it was somebody else coming to the satsang they went to the door and it was Muji. He oh. he happened to be in England and he had, he drove an hour and a half up from London to come and surprise them at at their little satsang. Wow. Yeah, so that was sweet. Yeah. yeah. I can
1: Imagine their heads fell off. Of yeah, something. so they had a good <laughs> <long> time.
0: <laughs> good. So uh what is uh, why is your tit- your book subtitled The Selfish Bodhisattva?
1: Um well I guess we're jumping right into the the end point with that.
0: Oh well we could start at the beginning if you want to tell us what that is, but
1: Well no, it's good to start at the end as well, isn't it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's like and, and, the, and according the the to T. S. Eliot they're the same thing, so
1: the Alpha to the Omega. Um for me and the final obstacle was the wish to help others mm-hmm. as a concept. And I realized the paradox that the only way to fulfill the bodhisattva wish is to let go of any thoughts of other or any concept or anything basically and that the, the most selfish act that you can you can do is to realize who you are
0: there's something to that um. In fact, there are actual scriptures which talk about, there's that Upanishad which says, you know, it's not for the sake of the wife that the wife is dear, but for the sake of the self that the wife is dear. And then it, it lists not only the wife, but the sons and the wealth, and uh, you know, a whole list of things that people ordinarily are attracted to in life, and it says it's not for the sake of those that they are dear, but for the sake of the self that those are dear.
2: Yeah, uh-huh.
1: wow. Yeah, it's the... If you're holding on to it's almost that positive projection, when you, if you're positively projecting onto someone there's still like a hidden ego behind it that is seeking some gain for yourself out of it and it's like there's an element of distrust in wanting to help others because it's only when you fully trust basically God takes over and you disappear and if you're trying to do it, it means that your, your intellect thinks it can do better than existence itself. And when you f- fall into that, then you fall into bliss and complete fulfilment, and that's so. of, it's like a play, the Selfish Bodhisattva, a play on the words, you know, the ultimate fulfilment of yourself then becomes the blessings for others to use kind of religious language, but if you know if you're sorted within your own self then when you're in a relationship then it's it flows because you're not seeking those desires, even if they're positive. But that takes trust to drop because it's very difficult to drop cultured goodness.
0: So in other words you're saying that if if you're fulfilled within yourself then you know, your motives, wh- whether it's in helping others or having a relationship or whatever, aren't going to be um, selfishly based in any way or tainted by uh, a need or craving or something. They'll, they'll just be 100% um, altruistic or um, kind of guided by, a, could we say, a higher intelligence or uh, guided by something bigger than individual motives.
2: Yeah, that's... Is that what you're, um, that
0: what you're
1: saying? Yeah, the, 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 we start moving into interest in language and we start, like, the higher power... <laughs> yeah, mind. yeah, you have to
0: define a, your terms as you go along.
1: It's like... Well, yeah, the, there's no getting around the fact that you have to use the word divine. Mm-hmm. It it's like life means. life itself is divine. Mm-hmm. So it's, the, the, you know, the Zen... Master I eat when I'm hungry, I sleep when I'm tired because life itself is perfection and in the ordinary the ordinary objects the ordinary life that we call ordinary when it's free from the concept or the concepts that go with it is so beautiful it's inconceivable. Um, If you're not in that space then generally people try to find it through drugs don't they? Or something. Or something. But it's you know, Aldous Huxley, Doors of Perception is a great thing. when well, he you know he sees the magnificence of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. But our experience doesn't seem to suggest <laughs> that but our ordinary life is perfection. It seems to suggest misery and suffering. But that's all caught up in the concepts. Ironically, caught up in the concepts generally from religions trying to chase that happiness, and in that's filtered through into the culture where that chasing is the very block to the magnificence of life.
0: So are you saying that religions are to blame for all the suffering and uh, misery of, of life? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, no. Uh, that would be more helpful than to talk about you know, emptiness, there's no such thing as religion or these things, it's just life. And so this these As we move through life, those expressions, uh, we have to use the mind, don't we? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's all, that's like that sense that it's our growth. And is suffering. So it's suffering is divine. So it's you know the the fruit on the tree of knowledge. You have to eat it. You have to go through it. And look what you know, because the magnificence of the mind. Is gives us this we can talk across the other side of the planet mm. inconceivable, magnific- you know inconceivable that's yeah. the mind, it's, I mean who want, we don't want to, no need to get rid of that
2: no um.
1: so you know we're going on this journey aren't we uh-huh. you, you, you know if you know, I say to you going on this journey and the things you thought maybe you didn't like at the time you realise, wow, you know, what what a journey my life's been, and that's uh, given me the fruit and the depth that I wouldn't have had if I hadn't explored.
0: It's true. I mean, uh, what I find helpful is, you know, to look at the past as having been perfect. Everything happened just as it was supposed to, and all the things that happened had a value in bringing me to where I am now. In fact, I I once said to my mother, I said, "Mom, you know." And we had a pretty rough upbringing, alcoholic father, and all that. I said, "Mom, you know, you you did just perfectly as a mother. You know, because I'm really happy with the way I am, and so you must have just done a perfect job." And she she really liked to hear that. Sure. <laughs> yeah, some, people, some people so like, you know, rag on their parents for not having done a good job or something, but you know, I mean, in the in the big picture of things if we, get getting back to this concept of the divine, if, if the universe really has a sort of an evolutionary momentum to it and it's all sort of this giant cosmic um, evolution machine that's developing higher and higher expressions, then all the stuff we go through must be fundamentally motivated by that tendency, you know, that, that, that driving purpose, however, however horrific it may seem uh, in the moment
1: yeah yeah absolutely and but no- and no matter how many concepts of cleverness you may have about you know there's no world out there, you have to go through it
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i I really like that theme that you come back to a number of times in your book it's It's something I've come back to a number of times in these interviews about the the need for genuine experience as opposed to just sort of playing with intellectual notions of. You know, enlightenment or or consciousness or whatever. And uh, perhaps we can talk about that a bit. But, you know, I I wasn't, I don't think I was too aware of it until I started doing these interviews. But then then I kept running into people who I felt had just gotten some intellectual sense of enlightenment or higher consciousness or whatever, but weren't actually living it. And yet they were speaking as though they were. Um, You know, this neo Advaita kind of scene. Um, So. Maybe you could give us your thoughts on that.
1: Have you seen there's a, a wonderful sort of animation? I think it's on Jeff Buster's. Oh, yeah, Jeff,
0: Jeff created that actually. <laughs> uh, about his mother, or the little, two little <laughs> bears, and one is saying, look at the beautiful tree, and then the other guy goes into this hole. That was actually based on a, a conversation he had with his mother when he was walking in some park.
1: Wow. That's <laughs> yeah, one of the best things I've ever seen. Yeah. There, there, there is no relationships, everything is just consciousness, <laughs> there is no beauty, but <laughs> uh, 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 that's what can happen.
0: Yeah. It,
1: you essentially become a fundamentalist.
0: Why do you think people do that? Why do you think that's kind of a syndrome these days?
1: Uh, it's because it's, it's, well, it's quite easy, and then you feel like you know, mm-hmm. and that's, it's part of the ego. You know, they say the path, the spirituality, but there's there's certain points on the ego that are almost impossible not to go through mm. and one of, one of them is thinking you're right it's really difficult you know people go, my guru is better than your guru <laughs> 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 isn't it, it's like he's the best because if you, if you check deep down it's because you think because he's yours Yeah. Or, and that need to be right is quite fulfilling and it gives you a sense in the universe. So you know, before we maybe have a concept of God as a father figure, who gives you the sense, who blocks out the terror of the unknown. And again, I mean, I've known people who've known the answers to the entire universe, and they're miserable. Mm. You know, I went through the, the the Buddhist path, and they know everything. no they can know no, that's karma. no you're going to be reincarnated there, or but they're really unhappy. Hmm. But they know, so they must be part of must be part of our journey to, to need to know.
0: I can remember when I was about seventeen years old and uh, taking drugs at the time, and I I first started getting aware of spirituality and reading some Zen books and all. And I could pontificate for hours, and I could <laughs> I could stand there and give my friends a whole rap about reality, and you know? and yeah, I was a totally confused, messed up kid. But there was. There was this sort of sense of, it's it's funny. Maybe it's true of all subjects, but with this particular subject, you know, there's a kind of you know we are grounded in that reality ultimately. And when you begin to contemplate it, there is some kind of intuitive aha, you know, that takes place because there, to some extent there's some element in our experience that corroborates our understanding, you know. And but I think what a lot of people do is they jump to conclusions and they think that. Oh, this is it! You know, this is the awakening that everybody's talking about. And I've got it! Isn't that wonderful? I think I'll start teaching. Uh, <laughs> whereas there could, in fact, be decades of, of unfoldment yet to go for that person until they really really grounded in the experience that their intellect has just begun to taste.
1: Yeah, and then and then there's the flip side to that, Rick, isn't it? That it's impossible. You no know, no 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 it's no, it's no, I'm useless, no, there's still so much to go it's yeah lifetimes. You know, yeah, I can count how many- a- atoms are in a chair, you know that kind of <laughs> ridiculousness, yeah so that's I mean obviously that's why a master's helpful mm-hmm. to give you the the mirror the mirror of where you where you are, and people don't like that either because it requires. I mean, generally, it's a, a big attack to your ego, isn't it? Somebody knows, somebody's further along than me and that concept alone, we don't like that concept. Ultimately, obviously, everyone is born from the the unborn or however it is that we're, that's, we're coming from, but as I say, there's quite a big difference between Ramana and Maharishi and a suicidal depressed teenager or a murderous rapist mm-hmm. and if you can't tell the difference between them it means you're stuck up here.
0: Mm. Good point point. and it's not sufficient for the murderous such and such to just say, oh I'm just like Ramana Maharshi, you know, we're all, <laughs> we're, we're all the same being, uh, there isn't an inch of daylight between me and him. Uh, because, again, there could be a vast, uh, on some level that's true, you know, on some level, yeah, but there could be, you know, vast amounts of uh, purification and development and so on that that person is going to have to undergo before he actually becomes a, a Ramana Maharshi. Yeah.
1: And it, but it's the, the essential point, you know, is it your experience, you know, are you dwelling in bliss? Yeah. Uh, and only you can answer, so, you know, doesn't matter what you say, what you come up with, if if there's still restlessness in your being, you know, maybe you get bored or you're still seeking, it doesn't matter if you say there's no such thing as seeking, if you just can't sit content in your being.
0: And then of course a number of people say they just. Dis- miss the importance of bliss, you know they say, "Oh, you could be miserable, you could be angry, you could be depressed, you can all you know an enlightened person can be all of those things, and so they <laughs> <laughs> in a way they kind of d- they dumb it down, you know they lower the bar um, <laughs> because they're experiencing those things
1: So then I think you know it's like the if we 're going to produce terminology or my understanding of it is when you yeah when you realize that I am or you get that sense of I'm just here that's the start of the path and the start of the path is in yeah, witnessing you're depressed witnessing you're angry and you start to it's like Muji saying, you start to just, just rest in your being, zip up your sleeping bag of your being and just soak in that because you've found the path, that's not awakening itself in in terms of Buddha like you'd say and then there's like the level of love which is that intimate losing yourself in the other, the world around you so so they don't become the other they are when you know that's it's a tremendous experience compared to just that I am is when you recognize and feel I am in someone else and know that they're more important than you are. It's like breaking down of the ego into another and that t- requires tremendous trust and letting go. That You know that's the two paths isn't it? You know, The, the two wings of the bird, the path of love and the path of meditation. And the people on the path of meditation generally stand back and they don't get involved and they remain detached and beautiful and those like the sufis like the Suf, symbolized by the sufi whirling that whoever you meet manifests a different part of who you are and you allow all these flowers of your being to come out and all that does is point to the unchanging within so you you move within everything and it manifests the the unknowable within
0: I think for some people, both of those things can be part of their experience. One can be engaged in meditation and also very much engaged in the world and engaged with people, and you know the, the way you've described. It's not an either-or necessarily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
1: it's like one, two aspects of one thing.
0: Yeah. There's another thing you said earlier about masters that I just wanted to make a comment on uh, about the importance or a value of having one. And in, in the context we were talking, it's interesting because I, on the one hand, a master can be Instrumental in uh, instilling humility, you know, making you realize you're not quite so great as you thought. On the other hand, a master at the appropriate time can be instrumental in instilling confidence, you know, uh, the the uh, the willingness to sort of own it. And both of those are a little bit different, but perhaps are are needed at different stages of your of your development.
1: Yeah, um, I guess like uh, probably want to. Talk about my my, my journey yeah, yeah uh, like that'd be that's pretty much what Muji did for me,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it was I've never actually met Muji to sit and chat with
0: in person, you've never met him yet
1: no, I've been to his satsangs, oh okay, but we've never like sat Want down had, yeah. had a coffee, and you know what shoe size are you you know. <laughs> um. <laughs> But because uh, I just couldn't quite believe what had happened to me in many ways, and with Muji it was very much, "This is it, that's it," mm. and it, that that impact. And uh, there was one thing he said, which was, which I found fantastic, was, he said, "If you've been studying for twenty years and you haven't awakened, it's like why not?" Mm. And it really, it blew me. <laughs>
0: Could depend on the effectiveness of your study. I mean, a person could, you know, do but, something. But it, was a,
1: it felt like a. It was a. Like it a was for you. Concept. Yeah,
0: yeah. Direc- Good. Yeah.
1: And that's that's what a master is. Um, so my first master um, was a Tibetan master, mm-hmm. and for me, when I when I met him, I just, you know, that explosion of love, and I've never experienced anything like it in my life. When we'd walk into the room, I'd be and start shaking and, and somebody else thought it was just a dodgy old man mm-hmm. so it's that, it's that love affair that you're falling into love with someone's being so it's not there never telling you you know you should go shopping four times a day or you should go shopping twice a day nothing like that It's it's recognizing the divine in someone else first And that gives you were, you, were you wanting to say something?
0: No, I was just, a, I just have this little Chinese frog on my desk and I, no, <laughs> I noticed it was crooked and so I was just straightening it up as you were talking. <laughs> 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 I'll see you on about but this. I did have a thought, I did, oh, <laughs> uh, well, dog needs to come in though, here we go. I did have a thought and that was that, um, now I've lost it. <laughs> Go ahead, you continue.
1: Um, I don't know where I was. <laughs>
0: we're, both, we're both
1: goners. Uh, I have one thought, though. I've got a, a coin that I'd like to give you listeners. Okay. Um, One plus one equals. That's it.
0: That's it. Okay, well, I won't try so, to answer
1: that. Yeah. So if anyone wants to get back to me, then.
0: Do they get a prize if they... I think they will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <coughs> now, uh, one thing I noticed in your book that I found interesting that not too many people talk about is uh, you know you you discuss degrees of witnessing, and you say that there's one sort of witnessing. I guess you could call it. I, I forget how you which terminology you apply. Maybe it's liberation, in which there is a sort of a, a detachment from. Ordinary waking state events. But then the real acid test would be maintaining pure awareness during sleep. You mentioned that in your book. Um, And I I say not too many people talk about. It. I've had long discussions with people about this very point, and you know, I have one friend who says he hasn't lost awareness for about 55 years. He's been <laughs> main, maintaining awareness during sleep since he was about 10 years old. And other people say, well, I had that for a while, but really, I'd rather be out like a light when I sleep, so it, it kind of went away after a while. Uh, but some teachers actually emphasize that that is uh, a sort of a, a critical um, criterion for. Uh, a significant degree of awakening. If if you've really, you really you can sort of fake it, you know, in the waking state. Oh, I'm so detached. But if you're out if you're soundly asleep and pure awareness is lost, you can't really fake that. You know, uh, it's either maintained or it's not. So, what is your experience that caused you to put it in your book, and what what would you say to that?
1: I think. Using Muji's language, he talks about before the I am. So the, and that's the space um, that we're talking about before about when you just realise that I am, that's the path. But in in for Buddha, then when you realise emptiness in the waking state, that's just liberation and not enlightenment because. Yeah, when you go into sleep, that waking state disappears. So that sense, that space of awareness, isn't maintained. So you have to be able to have that sense, and it. it but it makes it really easy and clear. I've had the experience in my sleep of be being awake. Being awake.
0: Yeah, like your girlfriend will say, "Hey, you're snoring," you know, and you think, "I'm hey, be snoring. I'm awake." <laughs>
1: Yeah, I get that quite a lot. That's <laughs> <laughs> but the in the in, in really deep in really deep sleep that mm-hmm. that think you know, you can't you can't really put into words. Mm. And that's clear that there's no there's yeah.
0: So in your own experience uh, is that like a twenty four seven phenomenon no, now? Or no, is this, no. you've had tastes of it. Yeah yeah
1: so my, my my feeling is that when when death comes then it won't be a problem
0: what won't be a problem
1: maintaining awareness
0: aha uh-huh, because it's been established enough yeah yeah um but i would suggest that even in life um you know there may come a time when that pure awareness is just a continuum regardless of what whether you're awake or asleep yeah yeah, and it you know it can become more clear and more stable, but you know, and maybe we've had taste of it, but it it can, you know, and for some it is a perpetual, you know, condition.
1: But um, it's a couple important points. I, I think I, I may have put in my book. I can't really remember. what I wrote in my book, but the disclaimer is that essentially, you know, life is a mystery. Mm-hmm. So these are. If somebody may be listening to that going, "No, no, no, this system, that system, mm-hmm. and the the divine manifests in as many different ways as there are people, and that that's why we're drawn to different different masters, different teachings, the expression, and what is it being expressed through them is so different you, you don't you don't you don't just put the hammer down <laughs> that's the point yeah. you don't go that's that, yeah, but it's important to talk about these. These different depths
0: and yeah, um, yeah. So I totally buy that. Different, different teachers and, and different flavors for different people. Different strokes for different folks, as Sly and the Family Stone put it. But um, so, w- w- are you suggesting that probably there aren't any universal criteria? for uh, awakening or enlightenment or, or so and it really depends on your teacher or your tradition or could there be some universal criteria which cut across all traditions and you know if we look deeply into each tradition we'd find them there
1: yeah um, I think you know well it's, it's like difficult to from, from the outside don't pinpoint someone because somebody blinks more than someone else you know Oh yeah from the outside that. who knows. Yeah. Um, but within, yeah, the the lack of the ego, that's that's awakening. Mm-hmm. When you when you realise the I that you've always been relating to for your whole life it's not who you are. Mm-hmm. And who you are is fathomless, unknowable, inconceivable, and can never be covered by language.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah and even I think that, I'm sorry go ahead no no
1: i i think that's within every path that's ever been
0: and still it's rather rare i mean most people in the world think that this is what they are <laughs> although oh, you know their religions yeah. may say okay when this dies then you're going to continue on but in fr- in terms of their actual experience you know this is me
1: yeah. i mean uh, I, I don't know where you live
0: Iowa so it's about four four or five hours uh, west of Chicago.
1: Do you, do you live in quite a spiritual community
0: yeah, uh-huh,
1: yeah, but it's not really like that so much <laughs> in Scotland if <laughs> if you go down and say stuff like maybe they say in California, you know you get a bat over the head, yeah it's not like they're not walking about going, yeah, I'm perfect, and I know it, you
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Hmm.
1: yeah, a lot. Of a lot of misery and suffering.
0: Why do you think that? Um, maybe we've covered this, but I don't think we could have covered it adequately. Um, you know, what is it that keeps people in misery? Why is it that we don't just spontaneously awake, uh, wake, awaken to our true nature as in the course of growing up? You know.
1: I've got absolutely no idea. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, for instance, in your book, you mentioned that you felt like animals were more enlightened than people because they're so innocent and um, you know guileless. I think I don't know if you use that adjective, but uh, and you know Ken Wilbur argues that this is a, the. Pre, I think he calls it the pre rational fallacy where you know a simpler form of life is seen as enlightened because it doesn't have all the sort of the complexity of, of the human being uh, but in fact that the, 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 the stage of complex human life with all of its slings and arrows is a necessary transitional phase that we actually as a, you know ev- in, in the course of our evolution do have to go through uh, mm-hmm. before before getting on to the transrational which is kind of simple an innocent like an animal, but with the wisdom of, of self realization, which the animal doesn't have.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but I think um, I've gone from the Buddhist world and these concepts that animals are lower.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I got rid of those concepts, and I could actually see that if we're not progressing on our journey of life, with the laws of nature and the, the path then generally people stagnate and that stagnation I mean pe- I used to think people were emotionally twelve years old on average but my nephew comes around and he's four years old and that's where I put most people you know it's like you've got a TV it's like get upset if someone touches their toy it's like my toy, my toy, my toy or they'll give some opinion about philosophy but all they're doing is saying no, no, no. There's just this need, the, the, the expression of their no is sophisticated but their emotional connection with another human being and the ability to let go and surrender and open up to them is that of a four year old. So the journey, the journey takes us yeah, we go through the mind, back, the return to innocence has a depth to it. So the formless is formless. So you, it's diff- you, you can't mark it, but there's depth to it. It's invisible. Like the psychological realm is invisible, that, that depth. But it's there. Mm. So you, you know when you meet somebody who's consciously awake, and you're consciously trying to move into there. Then something happens that never happens if you just go down to watch football.
0: Which is a good, yeah. That that in itself is a good point. I mean, it, the company you keep makes it, makes a difference. Um, if you just hang out at the bar watching football, or if you hang out in a sat song with Muji, there's going to yeah. be a different influence. On <laughs> <that>. <laughs> yeah.
1: So to di- dismiss that with an intellectual understanding of. Uh, oneness of consciousness, everything's already perfect is it's well for me it's just foolish,
0: yeah, um I think we could perhaps uh explain it in terms of a confusion of levels you know there there is a level on which everything is perfect and nothing ever happened, and there is no person, and you know there's no volition and all that stuff uh but then that's one level. Um, and, but that level doesn't obviously apply to all the other levels. Uh, just as in physics, you know, you have the quantum mechanical level or the Planck scale or whatever and the, the laws of nature on that level are completely different than the laws on the obvious Newtonian level, the surface level of life, and just because you understand those laws on the, on the quantum level doesn't mean you can go jumping off buildings, you know, gravity is going <laughs> <gonna> to do, <laughs> do its thing.
1: Yeah, yeah No. Uh, exactly. It's it's part of that um, wanting to know and wanting to be in control, like the ego. Like it kind of you don't want to go. Oh, you know I've got to spend say 30 years with a master. It's like nah, nah, don't really need that in the West. But those the 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 expressions uh, of the laws. I mean, life wherever we look. I think it's Ram Dass. I remember listening to Ram Dass. Wherever you look, there's laws. You know, you go to music, there's laws. Music is the best example for me. If you decide you don't want to do anything, that's punk. And your expression is very, very limited. Then you can all play in unison together. It's powerful, but monotonous. Mm -hmm. Then you learn the laws. And if you get stuck in the technique, you never really become a great creator. But when you learn the technique, you meet someone else who's learned a technique, then you completely let go and go. I'm not following any of these laws. Everything you play is in harmony, and it's a higher harmony than just the punk. Where you go, I'm not going to learn anything. I can do what I want. And to think that well, that's the the this this is the same thing.
0: It's a good metaphor, um, you know. If you really want to attain mastery, then have a master, Um, you know. And no great violinist ever learned it on his own, or you know, no great pianist. They studied under a master who was, you know, adept in that instrument. And uh, so, I guess the curiosity is, why is there such an aversion to that in some spiritual circles? Is is it this? What you were saying earlier, this feeling like I don't want to bother going through 30 years of training, or uh, you know. Or just they're you know, content with the intellectual concept of oh well, we're all enlightened and therefore why should there be any distinction between this guy sitting up on the on the chair and myself you know we're all the same I don't know what do you say
1: Well I think it's been the same since time immemorial it's the, the ego doesn't want to surrender mm. and the, you know it takes a very easy option these days I mean I think in the world of Zen you know they knew that they were a Buddha they'd learned that very young. But it's, then they'd still sit with the master until they realized it. So it was very. But there's still part of the culture that to be with the master. I mean, obviously, it's it's uh, an area open for abuse, so there's that.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: There is that. that and, th- and that gives that them all a, ba- all a bad name in a way. It, may, it makes people suspicious of all of them, but it d- but that's not the reality. There's some good ones out there.
1: But yeah, like, essentially, you've just fallen in love with someone. And it's. It's, the, um, it's like Manjushri with Buddha, you know that when he became enlightened, he loved Buddha even more, because then he realized how amazing he was at what he was, how he was expressing himself. And it was the, the same with uh, there was the Tibetan master, Jason Kappa, that even those who were enlightened couldn't believe how enlightened he was. But that, 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 that expression was so incredible. Mm. I, I mean, I feel that it's the same with uh, Muji. There's many masters, but Muji's expression is so I mean when I when I met I just thought I was meeting Rumi the aura of saintlihood was just it was just you know palpable
0: yeah and for people who have a problem with that I mean use the example of electricity there's you know this universal electrical field and then there are all these implements that we power with it you know and there's little light bulbs and bigger light bulbs and refrigerators and you yeah. know blenders yeah. and toasters and all these different and they're all sort of you could say channeling or expressing the same electricity but they do so very differently and just giving the analogy to light bulbs i mean there's a big difference in terms of illumination between a you know a 1000 watt bulb and a 15 watt bulb in terms of how it's going to light up a room and so, you know, everybody who sits in a room with somebody like Muji, they're all basically that same field. But, you know, the reason they're there and the reason Muji's there is that he's somehow managed to uh, reflect that electricity more fully. I'm, I'm using the word electricity mm-hmm. here. Obviously, we mean consciousness. And that can, to stretch the analogy, help all those other light bulbs shine more brightly.
1: Yeah, no, it's a wonderful analogy. Yeah, (laughs) and and then that, then you get into the magnificence of it, and the no comparison, because um, maybe you are, you know, drawn to one master, or drawn to another. But each master you're drawn to will be a different light coming off, and a different experience, Mm -hmm. and a different connection. And then, I mean, as you know, you must know, doing all these talks that this this Field spirituality is the most bizarre, paradoxical world possible, isn't it? It's like you can say everything we said, but it doesn't change the fact that you are that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And <laughs> there's there's nothing you need to do, and all these things are true too. So it's uh, if you can journey with that sense of wonder to it, it's that just keeping that open mind. Yeah. Just like okay, concepts are fantastic to play with, and it's like, um, but there, it's the Zen thing, isn't it? First, there's a mountain, then there's then there's no mountains, then there is that phase when there's no mountains is just unpleasant for quite a lot of people, and they can, that's when the arrogance can come, and that's when you can say, no, it's all just consciousness. When that's that's when you're stuck in that still stuck in that realm.
0: If I could define spirituality based on my current understanding and experience, it would be to say that it's uh, the embracing of paradox, the embracing of the, the full range of possibilities which you know, compared within themselves, between themselves are very paradoxical. You know? How can you say there is no mountain and yet there is a mountain? Um, both those things don 't make any sense if put in the same sentence, and yet it 's absolutely true and so yeah. real spiritual development means kind of a growing in the ability to embrace the totality with all of its diversity and paradox and 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 so on and harmoniously kind of contain it
1: yeah that's um uh, muji said to me no don 't make tattoos out of my out of my words mm-hmm. and it 's that you know by the time you 've one year comes, that's absolutely not relevant at all. Or, you know, the, for myself, yeah, I mean, I'll co- contradict myself within a paragraph. Yeah. When I'm talking to someone, it's... it's uh, which all points to what you seem to be, to being fluid. Um,
0: and it's not like you're wrong the first thing you said and you're yeah. right the second thing or vice versa. It's that both are true. Yes. You know, even though they're perhaps contradictory.
1: So you really start moving in the, the journey when you realise you don't know anything. When you existentially know that you can't know, then everything you learn is a wonder. Like uh, Socrates before he was going to get killed, I, I don't know. I heard some somebody was doing some painting or something and he said, oh can you teach me that? And they're like, but you're going to die tomorrow and he went, then it'll be one more thing I know before I die. Mm-hmm. And his essence is not knowing. You know so it's that that's when everything becomes magnificent. It's like it's, for me, I'm just only concerned that someone else should enjoy their life. you know that life should be a, a great enjoyment, and you become speechless with the, with the beauty the um, ramakrishna when when he was young, and he went to the river and a flock of birds flew up in front of him and he passed out because the beauty was so intense
2: wow.
1: he, and that's how everyone's life can be and that's how th- that, that spirit, that feel is a better way to travel on a journey as far as I'm
0: concerned. Well, you said an interesting thing a little while ago, um, and you've said some interesting things since. But uh, <laughs> a while ago, you said uh, about you used the word stagnation, and I think you used it in conjunction with the word suffering. And um, I would suggest that if a person has is suffering, then they're somehow stuck, uh, and that as soon as there's progress, you know, then the suffering will abate, and um, it may be that. You know, relative to what's possible, they're still suffering, but relative to what they're moving out of, they they feel a sense of fulfillment or joy or relief because the suffering is diminishing or, or the, the 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 bliss is increasing, whichever way you want to put it. Uh, so perhaps that's we were talking earlier about litmus litmus tests for uh, evolution or for you know spiritual development. Perhaps that's one is, is uh, if there's a continuing sense of less suffering and more joy um, something good is happening.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that, the, that's the marker at the end of suffering. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't come across anything else. That when, you, when you're no longer suffering that's, that's when you're awake. Yeah. And, but there, yeah. those, those levels are like there's the, the parental voice that can in our heads is what makes a lot of us suffering and when we develop a sense of I around a parental voice, what you should and shouldn't do. There generally tends to be a person who has low self-esteem, guilt, depression. Who that's when they stagnate, when they can't get past that, and when you have a, like a a release into that, the the child, is not it? I can do what I want. That is tremendous release. So you know, it's quite blissful if you're being with a master and you're getting, you have, you've been getting nowhere and then you go, fuck it, <laughs> walk away and this tremendous release can feel like some kind of liberation but it's always causal, so th- this is another marker if you're practicing if you're practicing Tantra then you're trying to cause bliss so anything caused, we know anything that comes, goes so it's that, these uh, levels of suffering and release of like, the tension in life, the conflict uh, the polarities and all you know bliss can reside in the tension you know mm. but its sex or so the unre- the release of attention, and a lot of bliss is a release of attention,
0: yeah, when I refer to bliss i 'm not speaking of that which you would derive from any particular outer experience. Um, you know, if that were the case, then winning the lottery would mean you just had a big spiritual epiphany. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I'm talking more of a sort of an innate, essential kind of thing. You know, that's there uh, regardless of external circumstances.
1: Yeah, that, that was um, uh, for me when because you can't. I just couldn't quite believe it. I just, I can't. Really, it can't be me. So uh, that. You're waking up every day, and just bliss every Did this day. this happen uh, once?
0: once you had been studying with Muji, this this this, was,
1: this was before. Uh, with with Muji, it was I just dropped the last the, the eye that was coming with that. Mm. There was still an eye that was coming with that.
0: Like you were walking around, hey, I'm a really blissful dude, and then <laughs> <laughs> and, and then the, like, uh,
1: Well, it was like you noticed that over time, you get like you just. just I've heard about other masters talking about this time period where things settle down Mm -hmm. and it's almost this (sighs) Um, it doesn't change and so someone said to me recently but isn't that an object and
2: it's
0: Isn't what an object your bliss? Yeah. And how did you respond?
1: My my first instinct is, what difference does it make? Hmm. Because it's always there, and it's it's innate to your being.
0: Yeah. And if it's always there and it's innate to your being, how can it be an object? What what other object is always there?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it just sounded like um, yeah more conjecture than than anything else. Mm. I think I've lost the track where I was going. I'll Maybe. get you
0: back on a the track. There was something you said a few minutes ago about certainty, and it's funny. You know, we were talking about how you, the wonder of life and and um, Versus the sort of adamant sort of I am right and I know this and and so on and it may sound to people the way we're talking like hey you know, these guys sound like they are certain about things they're making this <laughs> they're making this pronouncement and that pronouncement um, but perhaps in our defense I could suggest that all of this is offered with a spirit of um, kind of gentleness and and lack of. Um, of fundamentalism, <laughs> you know, there's, there's just, uh, and you know, and an acknowledgement that next week we might be saying something entirely different. You know, uh, it's not like we're trying to uh, encapsulate truth in words. We're trying to use words to just sort of uh, enliven a sense of it, um, but w- with the with the acknowledgement implicit that words are always a pretty inadequate tool for doing that. But they're the best thing we have if we're going to have a conversation.
1: You know, yeah. Um, yes. I, I don't know if it's who said that it's like you know everybody seems certain except for me. I mean, there's always that hesitation. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's actually going back to my point. It took me years and y- before I would talk, I'm only just starting to talk. It's like whatever I say, I just go, "No, that's not right." That's, that's not right. No, I'm, I'm not communicating it right. And even in this interview, I'm sitting there going, that, but that doesn't—I'm not communicating it right. Mm. So if anyone's thinking that, going, I, I don't know. Fundamentally, I, I don't know. And the world is just pure wonder. But it's like the, an actor. I study like acting. You cannot teach somebody to be an actor. What you're doing is going. You don't do that. That's blocking you. That's blocking you. That's blocking you. Or you know, chipping away at the marble to reveal what's there. Uh, you don't create the marble, so it's all like what we're doing with the words is is that via, negati- yeah, that, via that, negative, Yeah. Yeah. You just, you, it's very difficult to to posit it in a positive way that because then the mind will can cling to mm. you think you're better than me. That can come.
0: Well, you know, there's that Zen saying of the finger pointing at the moon. Maybe you've even brought that up in this interview, but um, yeah, that's what we're talking about. The the, the 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 finger is like the words that we use, and and they're not the, they're not the moon, you know. But they they can point to it, and <laughs> that, uh, and so look up, don't look at the finger. So yeah, you some, know, some
1: people like to paint it golden and take <laughs> photographs of it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, you know when you when you listen to a, a talk by. You know, Adi Shanti or Muji, somebody who's really good at expressing this, or read a book by these people. It, you know, you're just reading words. It's like ink on paper, but it it somehow shifts you into that space. You know? Um,
1: so. Yeah. It's um, I've heard I like, know silence is golden, but speech is silver. Hmm. It's like if we didn't, if no one, again, that's an extreme. When 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 you Fall into that space. and Another way of saying it is that things are no longer extreme for you ever. So you're constantly fresh to whoever you meet. So if I said if you took this interview to some people that I that I know, they just they would they just couldn't believe it's me. Mm. Because when you're in a certain space with someone, and if you love them, then you don't want them. Then you wouldn't not going to impose some kind of spirituality on them, you just be with someone as they are and that's completely fresh and open and whatever they reveal is just wonderment to you.
2: Yeah.
1: It's this paradox that when you realize that everyone else is more important than you are then you've got something comes that you've got to share.
0: Now some people might say more important, or just equal? That we're all sort of the same. More, whether more. whether it's Chobo or the Pope or you know the Dalai Lama or or Muji are, are 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 they? Is everyone more important, or are we all fundamentally as important? In what sense do you say more important?
1: Well, I, I would say both. Okay. Um, but when you're inside someone, um. Uh, I don't know if you've got... Do you have any children?
0: No, but animals. animals. And I, and I know oh, your some wife. children. Oh, your yeah, wife? Yeah, I got one of those. Yeah, um,
1: if, you, if your wife was about to be hit by a bus, you wouldn't think twice about jumping in front. Right. She'd be more important to you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And because yourself's not there, it's just this... The the. the joy... Sometimes, you know, it's it's just seems unbearable. The 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 experience on, on another person, mm. the compassion, you know, that you feel when when the self's not there, their self isn't there and it's just merging, so it's, it, you can't put it correctly in language, so if you take it as a concept, then you maybe try to serve people, but if you do that as a concept, you'll be bitter underneath, mm. there'll be no, no real bliss there.
0: I see what you mean. No, and, and there's some beautiful stories in the ancient scriptures about that too, about people being, you know, so selfless that they'd even, you know, throw themselves on the fire to provide food for a starving person or something like that. Not that I would you know, <laughs> do that myself, probably, but, but uh, you know, just a sense of utter selflessness, where the guest not only is the guest God, but everything is God, and you're just serving God in, in all you you see, see and do.
1: And again, if you take it intellectually then you think it's this sort of thing inside you. Right. It's like, um, you know...
0: And you're saying it's, it's an innocent way of functioning.
1: It's an innocent way and it's always different and feels different with everyone. And much. So it's like the, you can go to a master and you can feel maybe unconditional love at one point, then the rest of it he might hammer you or she. Mm-hmm. and just criticize you, maybe get angry with you, but they're not doing it with your essential being, they're doing it with your cultured personality.
0: Mm-hmm. Which so they're trying that, to mold into a more, you know... Get rid of. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get rid and of al- of allow that
1: natural, so that, that, going back to the selfish bodhisattva, that natural Ramana talks about, it, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. That you don't need to cultivate good qualities, you just need to... Find the the I am within, and all good qualities will arise spontaneously.
0: Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and all else shall be added unto thee.
1: So, if you if you try not to make it a rigid thing, then it's that this is the path of love. So it's like it's good to have that the I am practice for for me. That's my heart practice that I give. Mm -hmm. The I am that's that's the heart practice.
0: And can you describe that in an interview or is it something you really need to teach in a teaching context?:
1: Well, I'd generally go through the body, you know if, if you're anesthetized and you're your eyes closed, someone cuts off your leg, has your sense of being diminished, you haven't felt anything. As you, they cut off your other leg, has your sense of being diminished, you cut off your arm, your other arm, then when you wake up. After the you finish being anesthetized, then um, your sense of being will be the same. Then a second later, a new eye will develop. The one that's just relating to a torso. And that's the changing eye. And maybe, you know, the Satori or the Zen masses will slap people to give that one second where there's an, a break between. The, there's like a, the eye that continuously. Uh, manifest the different eye you have anywhere you get a haircut you have a different sense of eye so that's the, the one with the body but if you have all these things taken away you realize it's not your being so your being is still there then your thoughts you know that you know you see, you see your thoughts you see, you see your thoughts so there's that sense of a being but there's an eye that arises from the body and mind and that one is doing the practice of i am, and that's the one you have to catch
0: mm-hmm. and so do you advocate um you know sitting for x amount of time per day and and going through this process in order to or, or is it something yeah. you do all the time while you're walking down the street or whatever
1: it eventually it has to be twenty four seven and then it's no it then it's no effort the end of effort is effortlessness it's the the end result. You can't make. You can't make a choice to be choiceless. Right. Um, but depending where people are at. But in general, and even the masses. Um, I don't know how to say the guy's name. The guy that wrote "I Am That." Nashna.
0: Oh, Nisargadatta. Yeah,
1: I'm yeah. not very good. <laughs> he he's, he still used to do his sadhana.
0: Sure, and he used so, to sing. He used to sing bhajans for that matter. You know, devotional songs and stuff. So. Every day.
1: Yes, 24-7 but these, th- these things are still have their own expression to them, mm-hmm. their own expression in the world. Um, so the, for begin- I'd say, ordain yourself into truth, just like Buddha did, and practice 20 minutes. Commit to a year of practicing every day, at least 20 minutes. That's what I'd say to someone in the beginning, because mm-hmm. it's important to make a commitment.
0: And if people want to have a clear understanding of what this practice is that you're referring to, they can get in touch with you and probably have something on your website or you have some YouTube video or something. Um, Do you ever find, uh, well actually before I go on to that thought, I just want to play with the notion of um, what you were just saying, of. Kind of culturing an experience of, let's say, the witness or of the I am or whatever, versus having that be so ingrained, so established that it's just your natural way of functioning, the natural, you know, foundation of your life. And uh, I used to be kind of opposed, <laughs> conceptually, to the to the idea of in any way attempting to witness or be detached or any such thing. Now I've kind of gotten a little bit more liberal in my understanding about that. It seems that it can have, from what when I'm hearing from people, it it can have an actual effect of um, developing that state as a genuine permanent state. But but ideally, we're talking about something which you wouldn't ha- even ever have to think about. It would just be the way you are, just the way you don't have to think about breathing um, or digesting. It's uh, it's just a spontaneous style of functioning that gets cultured eventually.
1: Yeah, um, uh, I've never heard anyone put it better than Muji when someone said, "You know, how do you remember to be the self?" He says, "I can't remember to be the self. I am the self."
0: Yeah, it's like it's not an act of volition on on the part of some individual. It's just who you are.
1: So the 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 cultivation is like. We'll get, again, we will just say that there's no rules. Mm-hmm. So, but the cultivation is like boiling boiling water, you know, from zero to ninety nine point nine nine. It's water, then it's steam.
0: That's a good uh, point.
1: Some, but they, essentially, they're water. But there is a difference between ninety nine degrees and one degrees. Mm-hmm. But it's still just water. So that's what the cultivation is. But from we can, if we take it into realms, it can happen any time. Mm-hmm. But without so the, then there's the medicine can become the poison. So, it's yeah. <laughs> just like, this, this tricky moving around till you realize you're already that and that incredible experience like you know, why did Bodhidharma laugh when he realized what was it he was referring to when I've always been that? So simple, so obvious that we miss it. Mm. So then, so like Buddha talks about, we develop an intellectual understanding of it, which is that comes with feelings. So, like thoughts come with feelings. So it's not like an intellectual understanding means it's devoid of feeling. It has feelings to it, and it's the, you're, it's almost like you're imbibing a sense of it. It's almost replicating it till it happens, Me- melting into it. Was is a good way? But you know, ice melting into water. Yeah.
0: In case somebody missed it, you made a a great point there, which is that um, in physics they call it a phase transition when when something like water goes from non-boiling to boiling, you know, water to steam at a certain temperature, Um, and very often. And and there are other examples of that, but in in most examples you don't notice anything unusual about the water when it's at 99 degrees centigrade or 211 Fahrenheit, um, but when that one degree Shift takes place boom there 's a whole big change in the way it is, so a person could be very close to awakening and not realize it um, and but then when that shift takes place it 's night and day difference yeah. um, and, and another point you made there, which is that um, you know at a certain stage or for certain people or whatever, practice can be vital and and really beneficial and influential at another stage it could be a detriment it could be yeah. a you know an anchor around your ankle <laughs> yeah, <laughs> And it's, ti- it's time to let it go. And and uh, another thing I unfortunately see, and you address it in your book, is that a lot of people mix up those stages when they start teaching. They t- they say universally, generically, oh, give up the practices. You mm-hmm. know, you you don't need them. The, a practice only reinforces the notion of a practice or such things, which are really not appropriate to be given as a mass instruction because it's you know, chances are you're only speaking to a fraction of the people for whom that's pertinent.
1: Yeah. I think uh, the masters of old would when they would say, "You are that or you are the Buddha." that was the culmination point wasn't it, of their the practice and being with the master and at the right time mm-hmm. they would say it and say it in secret sometimes, and some of the teachings in secret because if again uh, there's a phrase in Tibet, Do not turn a god into a demon, mm. and that you turn the teachings into something that actually cripples your life. If you should be opening up to people, you know, you, that, that sense where you're more intuitive with other people, you, you're still falling in love with them, falling in love with the world around if you. If your defenses are getting stronger and your ideas of the world, even if they say, yeah, manifest in, in it's all consciousness, like the Jeff Foster cartoon, <laughs> then you've become a fundamentalist. Mm-hmm. So, You go through these, but you go through these things, and it's very difficult to skip out of being like that and It's good to be in that if you've got spiritual friends, it can be very helpful to they can mirror your back but but then again, oftentimes spiritual friends can be jealous if they if you suddenly attend something, they suddenly... no you haven't.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, that was one of my motivations for starting this show be- because I live in a town where about 3,000 people have been meditating for decades And you know, people are waking up. And I'd hear from friends that, you know, hey, I woke up and I told a few friends, and they told me I was on an ego trip. So now I'm going to keep my (laughs) mouth shut, you know. And so I thought, well, why don't I make a show where people can all sort of tell their story, and then people in general can see that it's happening to people like them, and maybe they'll be more, you know, appreciative or you know, uh, for you know for. accepting of those who make such a pronouncement and at the same time maybe it'll instill some confidence in them. Yeah. And of course it there's is, like everything we say, there's a flip side. There's you know, you can somehow have some little awakening and then get up on a soapbox and proclaim yourself the next Messiah. That can happen. <laughs> 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 That's right.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's like
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um you'll know if if somebody's trying to tell you what to do with your life mm. somebody's trying to get stuff off you. Y you, you know. Just like have some kind of power over you, mm. but yeah, it's a it's a tricky business, isn't it? It is.
0: You know? <laughs> it's like whatever you say, you can sort of say, "All right, I've said that." Now let's take the complete opposite and say that too. Then we'll have have <laughs> a more balanced picture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you ever find um, that you know you've Feel like you've lost it, like you you've just gotten into sort of a muddled state again, and and you know confused, depressed, or do you find that you've kind of gone beyond that kind of fluctuation, and it's a pretty smooth ride now?
1: Yeah, but yeah, gone beyond that.
0: Good. Did you yes. go through a phase where it was on and off, up and down? Yeah. So I could really no, grew really nice for a couple of days, and then really horrible for a couple of days. That kind no, of thing.
1: No, not since I realized my ego isn't me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No, just continuous. Like, um even under intense moments in life, mm-hmm. you can your energies may not be there. But there's still this sense of this is perfect. <laughs> yeah. It's just perfect. And and this it never wanting to change it.
2: Yeah. Well, which you know, not, even,
1: uh, I'm sorry no sorry. no, just not to be confused if you can still do <laughs> do things and make choices, mm-hmm. but underneath there's no wish to change it, so it's a complete paradox for the mind. the mind can't get that.
0: yeah, well, you know, even Christ said on the eve of his crucifixion, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me and then and then he said, Oh well, after all, let thy will be done, you know it's like mm-hmm. uh so Obviously, there's things we would rather not have to experience, either in in anticipation of them or as we're actually experiencing them. Uh, but there, as you say, when when there's this, well, why don't you say it? You know, f- as of what I was about to say, I think I'd like to hear it in your words.
1: I don't know. I'm going through. I mean, during this whole interview, I'm in loads of pain. Cause, oh yeah, you like
0: said like you had some intestinal problem or some, food <laughs> yeah, poisoning. Yeah, food poisoning. <laughs> so it's like uh,
1: if. Uh, it's better when it's not there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but it's still, it's perfect.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. It's, it is as it is. The, the mind, it's that sense that the mind is no longer judging life. So, which is, a, a, again, a beautiful sphere of uh, spirituality where you know, you say it's all God, God's will. Yeah. Where you've taken it out of the ego's hands and you accept life as it is. You can almost say awakening is that just complete deep acceptance of everything that happens and in that acceptance the sort of negative aspects disappear, Mm. that's the kind of magic.
0: And would you uh, advocate that also as a practice, Uh, the culture, the sort of uh, attitude of accepting everything just as it is or is it more of a description of uh, a, a state of realization rather than a means to attain it?
1: well it can all help the the witnessing because uh like i said i said to a friend if you if you accept everything the way it is then you accept that you want to punch someone mm-hmm. then you realize that's where your block is whatever they've reached your block is now i want to I, i'd quite like to hit that person mm-hmm. then you can work with that block you can recognize where it is within yourself and then you can move on from it that again you trust that the awareness within it transforms it. If you don't trust that the awareness will transform, you'll never fully accept it and you'll want to overcome it. So that can only
0: happen. But you're not suggesting that you do punch the person. You're you're saying that you kind of because uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, be obviously boost. this whole thing could be interpreted as just doing whatever the hell you please you know oh. you know, and that that could be problematic
1: i would i would well, one of the the the, the roots on the path it's like a, the, the the lineage i'm working on and the book i'm working on next is the stations on the way that can everything are moving and one of them is taking responsibility for your life you can't bypass that. And if you decide to punch them, then you have to take on the consequences of that action. And Because one of the traps that you can fall into if you're just on the emptiness path is thinking that other people don't matter or it's just a dream or they're not important and they're not to be taken into consideration. And if you just allow yeah, the parental voice to disappear, to do whatever you want, you have to accept the consequences of your actions. You could go to jail. Uh, you're probably going to regret it because you realise that that just came from an act of separation.
0: You could get punched back. Yeah,
1: punched back. So, so those are the natural laws of life. You know, it's <laughs> like that. Uh, <laughs> you soon realise that when you're young, don't you? You don't really need anyone to tell you. If you go around punching people, you're not going to have a very enjoyable life.
0: Well, it's again this issue of, uh, you know, different laws or principles or rules applying to different levels, you know, um, and each level was, was that Christ said, I can't even quote, quote Christ a lot today, he said, you know, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, there's, there's sort of, uh, you know, you have to kind of give each level its due and, you, you know, you, you stop at red lights and you go on green lights and you pay your taxes and, and all these things have their... You know, even though on some level they don't exist or they're absurd or whatever, you, they you have to kind of have the whole package uh, simultaneously. I think you, in, in your book you use the word multidimensional, I believe, which I, I like. It's like we we kind of incorporate or or straddle numerous dimensions as a human being, and, and the, the name of the game is to live them all simultaneously and, and act within each strata or each level um, as is appropriate to
1: that level. Yeah, and you the expression of the relative, you know, it's the the divine and the relative is that those expressions that come out of the emptiness. So if you have to be careful, if you just follow the Advaita path or the emptiness path, you can lose out on the expressions. Obviously when you finally reach, attain you realize then your love will express, but if you haven't manifested the vehicle for expression, like martial arts. If you haven't learned the martial arts, no matter how enlightened you are, you won't be able to move your body in, in those fluent ways. If you haven't learned Spanish, you won't be able to express your enlightenment in Spanish. Mm-hmm. You'd be, you won't be able to say anything without a translator. So everything can be expressed, you know, talking about the laws, and the more multi-dimensional you are, the more you've got like a salt to you and a, a a depth that you can express but it's also there's the societal laws and things that we do with our mind and then there's the sort of more the Taoist laws like you're going to die so it's a very that's another station it's not there's no dogma required to to contemplate this you're going to die the buddha said it was like his Biggest meditation, like an elephant's footprint in the sand, mm. compared to any other animal, because then that really has a go at the ego. There's that, fam- there's
0: that famous painting by Rembrandt or somebody of the the monk contemplating a skull, you know, holding it in his hand, oh. look, looking at it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's the. Then you'll, when you move with that death awareness, then, that can be very difficult to take. Because life can seem meaningless. What's the point? You know, I'm going to die. So you need, you know, many aspects of your being to turn that round, so that life is beautiful because you're going to die.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's it's meaningful, but it has no meaning. And it, because things don't last, they're beautiful. But in the beginning, that. In our culture, I mean our culture, like the word death is like, it's like worse than a swear word, you know? You just go, you're going to die. People's reaction is, you've said the worst thing possible. So these like manifest truths are still, they can help go into your expression and the love of another. Another is more important or just as important as you are. That's no dogma required. But, if you're, whether, but you might not be in tune with that truth. Mm-hmm. And then if you are in tune, the expression, we're talking about those different depths of expression, and like Buddha said, didn't he, that he would rather have someone on the path of love than someone who's realized emptiness hmm,
0: for themselves. Very, very interesting. And that, that's, that's essentially, I never heard that before about the Buddha. Um, and it harkens back to something you said a couple of minutes ago about appreciating the, appreciating the divine in the world or appreciating the, the world as a, an expression of the divine, which has a lot more sumptuous to, sumptuousness to it than this sort of cold Advaita, you know, mm. nothing is real.
1: Yeah, that's right. Everything's just consciousness. Yeah. yeah. But it's like, I don't know what life is. I mean, do you know what life is? Do you know why we're here?
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't read the book yet. Nobody knows
1: why life is here. And so this incredible expression, and if we understand those laws, each of those laws lived correctly expresses the divine more sweetly, mm-hmm. which that alone is incredible understanding to want to then dismiss the world. But the masters would teach dismissing the world in the beginning simply because you're too attached to it. Mm. If you just follow your bodily pleasures you'll become even more attached and identified with the body.
2: Mm.
1: So that's the phase of renouncing the world but it has, as far as I'm concerned, become corrupted and then we have a a life negative culture.
0: Um, my, My former Teacher Maharishi Mahesh Yogi um, outlined an interesting uh, kind of a sequence of development, which very much parallels what you've just been saying. Which is that he said in- initially you do kind of get into this uh, f- flat, unbounded—you know, it's all consciousness, and and you know I'm am detached from everything else, and the world isn't real, and and all that stuff. But he said that the heart actually can't tolerate that. That that the heart. Hates separation, and mm. you know, and that the heart begins to move to close that gap, and um, that as over time appreciation of the relative begins to da- grow and become enriched, and you begin to see more and more the divine quality of the world, and you know, and that appreciation just becomes more and more profound, until you know the desire to actually meet the the creator of it becomes sort of uh, you know compelling, so so, so much so, sort of like if you went to an art gallery and you saw some art that you really loved, you might want to meet the artist, you know. Yeah. Um, and eventually that that yearning is fulfilled, and eventually you know one comes to realize that actually it is all consciousness, it is all the self. It, you know when you look at a, ga- a galaxy or a flower or whatever you see yourself in that as, you know, not your individual self, but you see that as being, you know, the same stuff as your unmanifest self was known to be from when it first dawned. But that's a a progression that can take some time, and it certainly doesn't in any way imply coldness or uncaring or lack of compassion or... You know, you know, just somebody falls down the street, and you say it's their karma. Nothing like, (laughs) nothing like that. It would actually make one more engaged with the world, more, more caring for the world as it developed.
1: Yeah. So you know, the people who are listening, like what we're saying, is essentially just be careful that you don't dismiss these wonderful expressions of life to get to that emptiness. Mm. Because if you are dismissing them. Then ask yourself, why? And if you are in a hurry, it's like, again, ask yourself why. It's that 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 story of the 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 bodhisattva passing uh, on his way to meet God, and there's two people under the tree. The guy meditating, and he's been there for meditating for seven lives, and he says, how much longer have I got to go? And can you ask God? and he's like, okay, and there's a guy dancing under the tree (laughs) says, do you want to know? And he's like, not really. (laughs) And so so he goes and asks God and out of curiosity he asks about the the guy dancing as well and he comes back and he says to the meditator, you've got two more lives to go and he's like, really? You've not been trying so hard? And he's really down and discouraged. So he goes to the guy dancing under the tree and he says, "Do do you want to know? said, so well, okay, you might as well tell me. He says, as many leaves are on the tree, that's how many lives you've got. And he's like, great. that's <laughs> starts dancing in happiness. <laughs> and in that moment, he attains.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's a great story. <laughs> Very good so story. that,
1: so it's no dismissal. It's that it's not a burden. Life is not a burden. And a dismissive attitude of. Others' paths is, I mean, because that that's what it can be. I mean, it sounds like uh, it can be sound like we're dismissing them, <laughs> but then that's the mind. That's what the mind does. Dismissing
0: it. the dismissers, huh?
1: Yeah, it's like you're judging someone, and they say, "But you just judge me by judging that." That's the mind. That's mm. when you're mind trapped. You have to know the difference between someone speaking from their heart and somebody uh, speaking from their mind. Mm. And Yeah, it's it's the the feel that dryness that can happen, isn't it? As it said that if you're just on the path of emptiness, there's going be a dryness to you. Mm-hmm. And the path of lovers is can you know, be like a garden, or the, you know, the path of meditation, is like a desert, which has its own beauty—the beauty of a desert, the stars, and and then the beauty of a garden. And, but these are the different uh, traps you can fall in, mm-hmm. and that's that detached, dismissive feeling that being detached means that you're not engaged. Uh, Being content means you're content for everything to happen, not you're content for nothing to happen that you don't want to block your meditation. Then you you can get attached to your meditation space, can't you?
0: Hmm. It's uh, what you just said evoked a, a thought in me which is that you know when we talk about self realization or you know realizing your your pure state or your essence or you know, whatever terminology, I mean what is that actually um, you know what if we really get down to the nitty gritty, um what are we talking about where are are we not talking about that sort of uh, in ground state of the universe, that intelligence, call it God, if you like, which is giving rise to all this? That's essentially what we are. That d- that deep inner silence is one with that. That's and is indistinguishable from that. That's what we are. Um, so that obviously likes to wake up uh, in the fo- in in a, the f- a form capable of waking up. It also likes to be a dog. It also likes to be a pile of dog poop. It also likes to you know be a tree. It, it's sort of having all the, those experiences and all those forms are sort of evolving in their capability of waking up, but they're not in a hurry, Everything, the tree's not in a hurry. <laughs> um, somehow that, your story of the dancing man under the mm. tree, tree reminded me of that. It's like you know, the whole play, and sometimes it's actually called a play in, in, in spiritual circles, Lila, you know, that the whole creation is said to be a, a Lila or a play of the Divine. Um, and you know if it 's a good movie you don 't want it to end so you, you want this movie to keep going yeah um, and so things happen in in good time waking up happens in good time, and not waking up uh, you know, has its place too
1: yeah that 's the paradox again <laughs> um and and from what you 're saying um, the the feel of it, the poetry of it is that if you replace the word, the the divine that wants to wake up with unfathomable unknowableness. Mm-hmm. So.
0: I'm good with that, because obviously that's what the divine.
1: Is. So that, that that feel that if you are say out in nature with the tree, you don't think oh, that's the divine. You just stop, because mm-hmm. that thinking that's divine again is a block.
0: Can be, but don't you get that sense? I mean if you 're walking in the woods or even walking down the s- city street there's this sort of I mean if you look closely, either microscopically or just perceptually, isn't there a sense of the, the, the amazing like you say, the wonder, the, the, the amazing intelligence I mean if you look if you look uh, under a powerful microscope at what goes on inside of a, a single cell. You know, it's like holy cow. Huh? Who's running this show? This is <laughs> that, this <laughs> is amazing. <laughs> I,
1: I I just meant it as if uh, when you when you get into that level, it can be quite subtle. So yes. it's like be don't look for the divine as like almost like a practice or a word, or because then it can again limit the wonderment. So it's just a sort of. Within yourself, just have a feeling of wonderment, continuous wonderment, without labeling.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, it, in, it, is, it is subtle, and, and if you're if it's not subtle, then you're not really having that experience. Just just as with you know the whole consciousness thing, if it's if you're not really experiencing it, it's just a concept. Same with this appreciation of the divine we're talking about. It's it's an experiential thing, or it's really kind of nothing.
1: But but you're right. It's sometimes my, this is a, a, for me one of the stations again to use the mind to help you drop the mind is this, when you turn your tap on you have the sense of the unbelievable fortune that you've got hot running water, mm. the miracle then whenever you get in a car, just the miracle that you're in a car that, that, that this kind of be manifested and that, that with imbibing that way of living a life is Amazing.
0: Yeah, or you're sitting on the ground looking at a a bug crawling up your leg, and it's like, could you make a bug like that? You know, what what is the, uh, you know, what is the wondrous uh, intelligence that could structure such a thing?
1: And then that spirit, you reflect on your own being.
0: Yeah, I am that. Yeah.
1: That's. It's it's just then it's like this layer upon infinite layers is the of just, it can't be, it can't be, that's almost as spirit it cannot be.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, what on earth is life?
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's great, so you're really conveying that nicely, I mean, because it's one thing to say, oh life is a wonder, but you're really bringing the spirit of that out, I, I really appreciate it. May everyone live in that sense of wonder.
1: Oh. That's the the other aspect of the... the you can't not try and t- pluck the suffering from someone, the joyful participation in the sorrows of the world, like Joseph Campbell, that, mm. talking about the Buddha, that someday suffering, and I remember suffering, <laughs> for no reason. There's no reason behind it. That's part of the paradox, you know, we're talking about the growth and suffering, but Essentially it's just an illusion. And they're suffering and suffering and suffering and it's if then compassion arises spontaneously. Yeah. That some somebody else isn't you know, you can be sitting next to a Buddha and you can be a thousand miles away mm-hmm. just <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> It's a scary snake. We gotta get rid of the snake. <laughs> <laughs> but it's only a rope. No, no, I saw it. It was a snake.
1: Yeah, trust <laughs> Call me. The police. And when you get past the rope, wait till we show you what's on the other side. <laughs> this whole tourist industry is based around the snake, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And people go, no, no, I know it's just a rope. Yeah, come to my shop and I'll, you can read a book about it, you know?
2: <laughs> <Right>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, this, uh, this obviously has implications with, uh, for the whole you know state of the world and all the the conflicts between nations and religions and eth- ethnic groups and and all that stuff um, you, you address that a little bit towards the end of your book and uh you suggest that probably there should be no nations and and all and I, I'm not so sure about that that's going to happen maybe it will maybe' someday there'll be just one united planet, but it seems that cultures are so different there's there's at least for the time being there are going to be obviously d- different cultures and different countries and so on, um, but if all of that could be infused with a sort of a, a more unified awareness then perhaps the you know, cultures and countries could contribute the best they have to offer to each other without any sort of uh, infringement upon their, their cultural values or their you know, national integrity.
1: Yeah, I think about when you say that. I think about Star Trek. You know, uh-huh. I was thinking from you know the sixties the things that are now available in our world are almost in Star Trek. You know, yeah. the communications devices and are mm-hmm. almost like manifesting food and that's the one throat. I want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the only thing that isn't there is world peace. You know, right. Um, but uh, symbols can be so important, and I just you can imagine that you know, instead of you go to the Olympic games and it's just one flag and it's a picture of the earth, the power that could have and you know if you go to any university or any building it's just one flag flag of the earth, because mm-hmm. I mean we're moving into that one world consciousness so that the internet is an incredible tool for uniting everyone together the sense we're all here together it's slowly coming in through the general. it takes time, doesn't it? Through it the it gener- takes just, time, yeah. And I just think that would be a, a beautiful symbol, just get rid of all the flags and have that.
0: Yeah, but obviously it has to come from within, um, and the, yeah. the root the root cause of it is, uh, of the, the strife and the disharmony is, he's different from me, you know. Yeah. Uh, he, he, th- wants, he wants what I've got, <laughs> I want what he's got, uh, you know, that kind of stuff where there's, there's not a... Unity is obviously not predominant.
1: Yeah, the, you'll will we'll never overcome that. Comes with the the ego,
0: right?
1: So it will always be there. You know, yeah, you're on the other side of the road. Don't like that. So mm-hmm. This is my side. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the, but we can continuously adapt, and everything's changing anyway. So it's like, how do we keep? How do we change it in such a way that's more beneficial and less suffering? And, Clearly, nations are. I mean, no, well, it's not clear, but to me, it's, it's so ridiculous that it's just, you know, time to get rid of the the line on the this little maps we've drawn.
0: Yeah, well, in a way, I could you could say, maybe that you're a visionary because you're ahead of the of the curve. And there's, you know, people have entertained these sorts of notions, but for it to become a reality, it's going to have to be. Based in experience, there really needs to be a kind of a spiritual awakening in which people experientially know that you know to to love their neighbor as their self, because their neighbor is their self, and not just conceptually. Um, And as long as it's conceptual, we're going to keep having the fighting. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The conflict. Yeah. The conflict will never end, but, but there's the. It's good to have fun imagining.
0: Oh yeah. Absolutely, and perhaps it helps to bring it about. You know, to to visualize it. Yeah. To, you know, borrow. But as you say, even if we
1: had what one world, world peace, there'd still be conflicts going on the other side of the road, or and the the drama and the conflicts is. Part and parcel of the <laughs> the play. I mean, I'm studying theater, so mm-hmm. I know that unless you've got conflict, you've got no drama.
0: <laughs> it's not, yeah, it's not very interesting. But you know, there and obviously, even in the the traditional, uh, I, I refer to the scriptures sometimes because they they they, they do have some wisdom in them. Uh, so somebody once asked Marishi, why are the gods and the demons always fighting in, in these stories? You know, in the in the Vedic literature. He said, because if they didn't keep if there weren't that sort of fundamental um, polarity there at the basis of creation, there wouldn't be a creation. Yeah. <laughs> you need some kind of polarity in order for there to be relativity and diversity. Yeah, yeah exactly.
1: And even was it was it Jesus that said there'll always be the poor?
0: Mm, yeah, you'll always have the poor with, with you, right? That's but like, yeah, it's. <laughs> You're wonder, If you're wondering why I'm looking over there, it's because Leela oh. has, has made her appearance.
2: Oh.
0: She usually it's shows up in most interviews.
1: Yeah, oh, it's funny because I was going to do the interview at my girlfriend's flat, but the cat would...
0: Oh, <laughs> I, would I thought the cat would... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes she sits in my lap through the whole thing.
1: Is it Leela?
0: Leela, yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> Good. Well, uh, this has been a lovely discussion. Is there anything uh, you'd like to add in conclusion or even not in conclusion if there's some whole area we haven't touched upon?
1: I think we touched upon most things. I mean, in in summary there, I, I'm very much into the love and awareness, mm-hmm. exploring both both wings, really important, but uh, essentially always drop any dogma or belief if there's a dogma or a belief i think i don't need it because to know who you are and most things we talked about are not don't require dogma or a belief they're just sinking into truth yeah in words because this just goes on from what we're saying about if we are ha- going to have a more universal expression of uh, spirituality it should be one where i say like an alien can come down and we can share truth. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean truth isn't even a human thing, It's not yeah. only is it not a Christian or a Buddhist or a Muslim thing, it's not even a human thing. It's, it's, it's not even it's human.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I watched your film Paul and I came down and thought yeah you could go through Christianity along, but if you said to Paul who are you it will have the same relevance it yeah. will <laughs> to anyone else. True. Good. It's lovely to meet
0: you. Yeah, I've really enjoyed this. Uh, I knew I would when I read your book. I I thought, oh, this guy is on a nice wavelength. Um, So, uh, in conclusion then, I've been talking to Chobo, or Chobo G, as the case may be. Um, He's written a book called Melody and Silence and is in in the process of writing another one, as you said. When do you expect that one to be out?
1: Oh, I have no idea.
0: Uh <laughs> <laughs> when the guy under the tree gets enlightened, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and uh, you have a website which I'll be linking to, which is what?
1: Choguji.com.
0: Uh, Dot com. Good. Um, and uh, this uh, interview is one in a s- ongoing series. I think I've done about 160 of them now. They're all archived at Batgap.com. B-A-T-G-A-P and there you will find a little discussion group that crops up around each interview that you can participate in if you like. Uh, you'll find all the other interviews archived and there's a, an alphabetical list down the right-hand side of the page of all the, all the people uh, that I've interviewed. You'll also find a link to an audio podcast if you would like to listen to this on your iPod um, while commuting or whatever, you can subscribe to that. It was broken for a while and it just got fixed. Um, There's a donate button, which I very much appreciate people clicking Uh, if they feel inclined. It helps to keep the whole thing moving. And um, there's a little tab that you can click on to fill out your name and email address and be notified by email every time a new interview is posted. So if you'd like to be notified, do that. You can also subscribe to the YouTube channel and YouTube will notify you when a, a new one is posted. All right, so that pretty much covers it. So thank you for listening or watching. Thanks a lot, Chobaji. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, we'll see everybody next week. The next interview is going to be with Jan Fraser, who I think you'll all find delightful. I've really enjoyed reading her books. See you then.